Have y'all heard the term burrow head? After the Bengals beat the Chiefs back in December, defensive back for the Bengals, Mike Hilton, coined the term Burrowhead in honor of Joe Burrow, the quarterback for the Bengals. And it uh, implied that Burrow owned the Chiefs in their own stadium, Arrowhead Stadium. Well, Travis Kelsey didn't take too kindly. You can read. <laughs> so after the conference championship against the Bengals, Patrick Mahomes came out and said, we showed this place is Arrowhead, is not Burrowhead out here. Think about that. Whose house? Keep that in mind. Some of us will remember the song, House of Love by Amy Grant and Vince Gill. So we've got Arrowhead Stadium, whose house? We've got House of Love. When we think of the venues as a place and as a people, whose house is it? What kind of house is it? If we were to pick a word to describe the venues, what word would that be? What feel would you have when you came in here? And what feel do you emotion do you experience while you are here? Whose house is this? What kind of a house is this? The first three churches that I served were Baptist churches. Uh, the word Baptist described what kind of churches they were. I then pastored a church with the name Bible in the name, title. And the word Bible described what kind of church that was. A church that put the Bible as a priority, as the priority, preeminently a Bible church. The name of this church is the venue, so what in the world does that mean? The venue is a place where something happens. So the building is the venues, yeah. But more importantly, you are the venues. You are the body of Christ. You are the house in which God lives. And wherever you go, God is happening. You are the venues. If I were to ever rename a church that I pastored this church, or I don't anticipate having another one after, after this pastor it might end, after retirement, but I might, I might name that church the House of Love, or maybe Love Shack, I don't know. <laughs> I like both of them. An entire generation has no idea what the Love Shack is about. <laughs> bang, bang, bang on the door, baby. It's all about love, I think. Beloved, those who are loved, which is everybody, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God, knows God, but whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. In another time, in another place, at an elders meeting of a church that I pastored, I was asked by one of the elders, 
this question. Which statement best describes your view of God? God is holy or God is love? This particular elder, along with a few others, had been at growing concern with my teaching that I was talking about love too much. And I was talking too much about God's love for us. And so they wanted to know what I thought about God primarily. Is God holy or is God primarily love? Well, I hate to admit it, but I chickened out. And I gave the answer that he was wanting. God is holy. And immediately my heart sunk. I felt like Peter just denied Jesus. And I left that meeting kicking myself, vowing that never again would I deny what I thought theologically, spiritually, just to accommodate a leader, to avoid criticism, to avoid judgment. And I stand by that today. And before I left the church, I made sure that the elders knew that I was sorry about that. And I said, I retract my statement. God is love. That's the primary quality of God. Too often, <clears throat> when some Christians hear God is love, they, they have this need to inject, yeah, but God is also wrathful. God is also just. God is also sovereign. God is also in control. And it's like they just can't accept that God would be primarily a God of love. It has to be a caveat. It is that God who is holy and sovereign and in control that some people say caused or allowed the earthquakes that are just devastating in Turkey and Syria. I'm going to show you a picture, but there is a warning. It's disturbing. So go get a cup of coffee or just leave. <laughs> Maybe a time to do that if you're looking for an excuse. That'd be a good time to do it. Please don't. What's so devastating to me, all life is valuable, but the life of this child in the lower right who survived, but the life of the child in the upper left, the hand of a child being held by the child's father, when the life of that child has been ex extinguished. Twenty-eight thousand plus was the last number I heard this morning. Lives taken. 
there are some people in the Christian community and, and they've got scriptural support for this say that God caused the earthquake or God allowed it whichever way you go the responsibility is God's one of those says this I should have had Nisi come read it you want to I don't know you turn Nisi's mic on The gentleman who said this is really a good guy. I've got a couple of his books, but I don't agree with him. There are lots of scripture verses that support what he says, that are the basis of what he says. It's my belief, and I could be very wrong, that those scripture verses that talk about God being in control of the weather, causing this storm or that storm, reflects a cultural understanding rather than a genuine spiritual understanding. All the people in the days of Scripture believed that there was a God of the weather, a God of the storm. They would make sacrifices to these gods, hoping to appease them. A lot of people, however, agree with this theologian. 60% of white evangelicals believe that natural disasters are a sign from God. I don't believe that. To me, if that's who God is, it's really not a God that I want. It does not seem to me to be the God that I see in Jesus Christ. That is not a God of love. The God that I see in Jesus is a God that deals with evil and suffering as we look at Jesus by empathizing with us, by taking that upon himself or herself and bearing that on him and being present with us through it. I believe that God's active role in our suffering and our evil is not so much to stop it or prevent it as it is to be present with us through it. A lot of good people who would disagree with me. Maybe some of you would. That's just where I am today. I think a lot of a parent, and I remember those days that Daniel and Devin were children and sick. And I think when a child is sick, the parent suffers. The parent can't prevent it. The parent cannot cure it. But the parent can be present with the child. 
I believe that's what God offers to us. The primacy of love continues throughout Scripture. I'll try again. Can y'all hear Nisi? Maybe we ought to change places today. All right. Verse 35. By what will everyone know that you're my disciples? Honestly, is that what you were taught growing up? I was not. What I was taught growing up, and I love my heritage. <clears throat> I love the grounding that it gave me in knowing the Bible. But what I was taught was that people will know that I'm a follower of Jesus by what I believe, not by how I act. And if I believe certain things about God, or about the Bible, or about Jesus, that shows that I'm a follower. I don't know how we miss this. Seems clear. Is your mic working? Come on up. Yeah. No. <clears throat> Just read it. command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor love your as neighbor. yourself. All right. Let's team teach. Okay. You ready for another one? Sure. All right. Hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that Where'd means. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Phil is always correcting me. Oh. <laughs> things I say. I'm sorry. You're, sit down again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're being way too honest, aren't we? All right, it's a long one, Nisi. <laughs> Let's go ahead. Have at it. You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of humans, and of angels, but do not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. That's good, isn't it? I will show you a more excellent way. So, Paul, you want to stay up here? Oh, am I done? No. <laughs> you can stay. Maybe get a chair. No, I'm fine. Okay. I think we are done, Nisi. Thanks. That's all the Bible verses. So Paul spends all of chapter 12 
talking and teaching about spiritual gifts. And so then he says, okay, it's great to have all these gifts, but I'll show you a more excellent way, the way of love. And look what he says about the primacy of love. If I speak in the tongues of humans and of angels, wouldn't it be great to be able to talk, yeah, like an angel? Wouldn't it be able to have such a command of the English language or whatever language you speak that <coughs> people would just sit enraptured by what you say? Paul said, you do that, but if you don't have love, you're just a big noise. <coughs> How about, does anybody ever know anybody who thinks they know it all? <coughs> Paul said, you might know it all, but if you don't have love, you know nothing. He then goes on to say, I can give away my possessions. I'd love to be able to do that. I wish I... <coughs> had the ability to follow Jesus' words, to sell all I have and give to the poor. I love Jesus. I love my iPhone. <laughs> I love my car. I love my Charlie Brown collection. And I've not sold everything to give to the poor. Paul said you could do that. But if you don't really have a heart of love, it doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> I'd love to have the kind of faith that can move mountains, move hearts, move the world from injustice to justice. But if I don't have love, the faith doesn't mean much. I wonder if Paul is saying to us, that love is that thing which if a person has it, he doesn't need anything else. But if he doesn't have it, nothing else matters. <coughs> so Paul says at the end of chapter 13, pursue love. The word means to actually chase something. Take a look at this video of uh, been chasing something that you might not be able to catch. Take a look. All right, that's what Paul says. Chase that love like a dog chases the tail. Get up every day. Chase that love. Paul goes on to say in chapter 8, knowledge puffs you up, but love builds up. Have you ever seen a puffer fish? Before and after. When the puffer fish is threatened, feels scared or anxious, he'll puff himself up to intimidate. I know a lot of human puffer fishes. <laughs> they puff themselves up, they inflate themselves to impress other people or to intimidate other people. And Paul says, that's what knowledge will do. Nothing wrong with having knowledge. But don't pursue knowledge, Paul says. Pursue love. All knowledge does is give you a big head. Pursue love because it builds people up. You know, some Christians, I really do believe, 
believe that Christianity is all about being right, having the right belief, having the right doctrine, having the right position on a matter. But Paul, I think, is saying, well, maybe not. That's not what it's about. Maybe it's not about being right. Maybe it really is about love. You know, if you think you're always right, you're really not much fun to be around. I've, I've heard it a thousand times in our 42 years of marriage, not from Denise, but from other people. <laughs> when I am introduced as right, and this is Denise, my wife, and they always ask her, so, Mrs. Wright, is it Mrs. Uh, is your husband always right? No, not at all. Not at all. It could be if you're a puffer fish, you're hiding some insecurity. And it's just hard for you to admit because you're so insecure. You've been hurt. You've been demeaned. So you feel like you have to be right. You can't admit when you're wrong. But I've noticed that the people who receive the love of God and who walk in that love are pretty quick to be able to admit I was wrong on that. It kind of goes to the humility. So being right may be wrong, but being loving is always right. It's really not about what we know, it's about how we love. Maybe that's why Jesus said to the adults and to his disciples and to the children, let the children come to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like this, like the children. Children are not known for what they know. Knowledge isn't the big thing in a child's life. Children are known for their love. I think Jesus is telling us, don't worry about what you know and don't know. Be like a child and just love. Just love. You see, I was wrong. There's another passage. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I don't think it could get any clearer than that. So Paul prays that they'll be rooted and established in love, not in doctrine, not in a statement of belief. Then look how he describes it. And he wants the people to be established and rooted deeply into love so they will have the power to understand, to grasp. And he talks about how wide God's love is. When you think about how wide God's love is, think about inclusion. No one stands outside of God's embrace. I was raised to think that there were some people who were in God's embrace, others who were outside of God's embrace. Paul says no. Wide. If you think God's love is this wide, 
will just extend it further. It goes wider than you can ever imagine. How long is God's love? Think of duration. How long does God's love last? I was taught in the evangelical world that once you die, you have no opportunity to ever be in heaven again if you've not said the prayer, so to speak. But here, God's love is long. It speaks of the duration. It goes beyond time. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. There's never a time that he will not love. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generation. The duration of God's love reaches into eternity. And it makes us rethink maybe what we were taught about death and eternity. How high is God's love? This new telescope, James Webb Telescope, took an image of the most distant stars like 28 billion light years away. 28 billion light years away. How high is God's love? It goes beyond James Webb Telescope. The love of God goes beyond the most powerful telescopes. How deep is God's love? I could swear Paul was singing the Bee Gees on that one. How deep is your love? There's a verse in Peter. And many denominations interpret that verse in Peter to mean that Jesus, after he died on the cross, went to hell and brought up people from hell. And I don't know really what that verse means. I have no idea. I got an idea, but it's not worth me telling you. I don't know really what it means. I just know there's a concept here that the love of God goes high and it goes down and it goes deep. So just take some time to meditate upon that passage in Ephesians. And feel the love of God. And feel like you are the object of that love. And seek every day to be rooted and grounded in that love. Oops, went too far. Well, Tuesday's Valentine's Day. The day of romance, day of intimacy. It was Drew Carey who said, I'm not good in bed. Heck, I'm not even good on the couch. <laughs> so what makes a good lover? Is it technique? Is it skill? Those don't hurt. But maybe there's something more. So Nisi. Read 1 Corinthians 13 for us. You all can read it with me if you want. Yeah, yeah. Skills of a good lover right there. <laughs> yeah, read it. Everybody read it. But lead us in that easy. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. 
It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. All right. Paul closes that with this verse. These three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. But is love. Yeah. 